This episode is being brought to you guys by our incredible sponsors, Tenant Inc., Live Oak Bank, and Janus International. Starting it off with Tenant Inc., their products are designed by owners for owners. And Tenant Inc. is funded and managed by self-storage owners with vast industry experience spanning decades. These guys super know their stuff, incredible people. They understood what the industry lacked and knew what needed to be provided. So technology in the industry sets basic operators apart from professional operators, and they knew exactly what the industry needed, and their technology puts the owners back into the driver's seat. On to our next sponsor, we've got Live Oak Bank, who is on a mission to be America's small business bank. Incredible group of people there who know and understand self-storage. We've talked to so many people that use their services in the self-storage industry and have had nothing but incredible experiences with Live Oak. If you guys are interested in SBA loans, starting in storage, any of that phenomenal resource for you to look at. Last but not least, Janus International. They've got everything from doors and hallways to installation, automation, and facility restoration. Their R3 program helps you revitalize facilities, bring them back to life. Um, They are a leading global provider of self-storage and commercial industry doors, relocatable storage units, facility automation solutions, and door replacement and self-storage restoration services. Again, these guys have been in the industry for so long. They know their stuff. They do incredible work. All the links to these incredible, amazing sponsors are down below in the show notes. Check them out. Get at them. With that said, enjoy the episode. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. And today, we are talking all about insurance. Wow, this is the the, the most... You, you shouldn't have led with that. Like, yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, like, yeah. as an insurance guy, uh, that's... <laughs> From that's my background and everything. I I should know not 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 to lead with it. No, seriously, uh, this is such a huge and important topic uh, in all aspects of our business. We obviously protection, but two underwriting, financials. Um, you know how the property is going to play out, what you should expect. This is a really important piece to real estate. Like really important. It is. It's one that you can't uh, can't miss for sure. And uh, it's one of those things that you, you have to have experts in your uh, industry that know exactly what needs to be done and how uh, that know that industry, uh, which is why today we've brought in our guest, Gary Kelly. How What's you doing, up, man? man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great. You know, doing awesome. uh, I, I think insurance is interesting. I don't you know, I'm, I, I'm sure you do, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny how you started it because I always tell people, uh, especially this time of the year, they're like, God, insurance. I said, you know, 
uh, I have to remind myself that there is there is also tax that follows after insurance. And so I'm, this isn't tax. That's so right. We, this isn't that's taxes. That's the half-full <laughs> aspect of it. And since we're in tax season, I'm pretty sure people would rather discuss insurance than taxes. A hundred percent. That's a hot topic. That's what we should have led with. We're not talking about taxes. Guess yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll put that in the title or something. You no know. kidding. Yeah. Well, uh, walk us through, man. Tell us uh, who you are, what you do. Yeah, um, I uh, am an insurance uh, agent, broker, uh, risk consultant. Um, been in the industry for about 15 years. Um, started uh, working for tra- uh, as an underwriter, commercial underwriter for Travelers Insurance um, uh, out of college and um, really just uh, took off from there, learned the insides and outs on rating and classifications and how it works on the insurance company end, and then came over the insurance side. Uh, I've got family that uh, is within the storage industry and and owns some storage, so um, I've been able to glean some perspective from that uh, over the years uh, from um, them building storage uh, and owning storage uh, to... um, to, so from that whole gamut and then um over the years i've just uh really uh gotten more and more involved in the storage industry um uh nationally uh we do business in all 50 states so i get to partner with owners and operators and managers management companies uh from coast to coast uh like me and if you, and if you skip across the pond into the islands uh or you go for a hike up in alaska and um uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been great just to, um, uh, be a part of the industry and, and multiple different facets, um, and, and, and be able to partner with the industry in that. So, mm-hmm. and how different is the self-storage industry from like other, cause you know, insurance, um, particularly your insurance, you, you can really become an expert in a certain lane, so to speak, right? And you've chosen yeah. self-storage. Um, how does self-storage compare to other industries as far as insurance options? And how do the insurers look at self-storage? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think I, from an insurance standpoint, I always, uh, in my opinion, I don't think so. I will. I will. I would say it along the lines of this: uh, self storage insurance isn't rocket science. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. there are buildings. <clears throat> there are buildings with that you store stuff in. So conceptually, uh, it's not like you're going into a restaurant and you're dealing with liquor exposures and how much and sales from food versus beverage versus the type of food and deep fat, all sorts, you know, manufacturing, distributing, all sorts of things Uh, on the grand scheme of things. It's, it's uh, real property that you store stuff in. Uh, I think what makes storage unique is that a lot of uh, owners uh, and insurance brokers, agents overlook is the the handful of very specific storage coverages that are unique to the self storage industry um, that make it self storage. And I I think what the big question is is well what does make self storage self storage? And my answer to that would be the fact that you don't take care custody and control of anybody's possessions. 
If you do, you're not storage, you're warehousing. That is the big difference. Yes. Uh, A warehouser takes care, custody and control uh, of someone else's possessions personally or, or commercially. And, and so have you ever seen storage people get in trouble (laughs) with that? Like, you know, cause this, and sorry, I'm going to just dive kind of into the subject because we, we talk a lot about the um, availability of accepting um, and the management on site storing and moving around uh, people's possessions, meaning mm-hmm. are do is there a delivery that comes in and are we signing off like for maybe an Amazon package or is there a delivery and are we involved in the moving and how does liability work with that process? So if you set up your storage facility to accept deliveries, right, how does that work on the liability end? That's a really good question. So you have to remember that for liability, liability uh, paraphrasing is defined over almost all commercial policies as as bodily injury or property damage to someone else at the negligence of, in this case, the facility, the property. So in order for general liability to respond, you're going to have to meet that requirement. There's going to have to be an injury to someone else physically or damage to somebody else's property. And it's got to be on a negligence basis uh, and not being an attorney that negligent, the definition of negligence is pretty, can be pretty loose. But what you really get into is, is just that um, of, of doing what you can to mitigate or, or uh, reduce that exposure for the packages and the mail, the mailing types uh, exposures, most of the storage facilities programs, storage programs have capacity for that in some aspect because you're not necessarily taking into possession the, the same as you would of moving somebody's property. You might take into a package and put it in a bin or put it into a mailbox, which the storage programs do have the ability to contemplate for. Um, if if it's um, disclosed, the concept of moving people's property around, which primarily we see on the vehicle boat RV side, um, which is especially prevalent around military bases, is we store a vehicle and we will uh, every six months or quarter bring the vehicle out, make sure the run uh, engine runs and it's working <clears throat> for active duty uh, uh, deployed um, uh, military personnel uh, or RVs. We store RVs. You call us. We'll bring it out. Have it. Have it. All of that is pretty much something that the insurance company is going to look in their policies for language not to cover if there was an incident, mainly centered around your lease. Because in your lease, most lease statements, they declare that we're not responsible for your personal property. Where it gets gray is you get into customer goods legal liability, which is a storage specific coverage, which is, again, we're not responsible for your possessions. However, if we are negligent in that damage, again, to someone else's possessions, the policy could respond. So oftentimes for for ownerships and operators that we know are specifically having a a, um, a segment of their operation where they are taking in care, custody, and control, we get a standalone separate insurance policy called garage keeper's liability. Got it. Because really what that's contemplating is it's just that it's like an auto body garage when you're yeah. moving, you know, taking somebody's car in the moment that you take those keys uh, and or 
uh, you're moving somebody's stuff, you're taking that care, custody, and control. So we transfer that exposure to a garage keeper's liability policy to really pick that up, which is why on most self-storage applications, you'll notice that there's a question, do you take keys? You know, do you take tenant's yes. keys? Because if you take a tenant's keys, you're now on a, again, I'm saying this loosely because I'm not an attorney, but an attorney could argue that by taking those keys, you are assuming care, custody, and control of that property. Yes. Now that So we always discourage taking keys. And if you are taking keys of a unit and or somebody's vehicle, boat, RV, V car, camp, or whatever, that you, uh, even if it's by a forklift and you're moving around on hitches, that you, without a doubt, carry a garage keeper's liability policy. And they're not expensive. There's something that can run depending on the limit that you carry somewhere between 750 and 1500 bucks a year. Yeah. Wow. And it, this is something that's really intriguing to me because, you know, we see on-demand storage and we see a lot of different types of uh, business models entering into the storage world that are not your traditional drive-up utilization storage. There's a lot of different ways people are looking to maximize revenues and add services on and gain customers. And I'm always interested when we look at these and when people are talking about it, I mean, as you're changing and even mixing different utilizations and types within the asset, how does insurance view that? Um, even just the accepting of Amazon packages. It, it's always interesting to me if you're signing for mm-hmm. them and you're you're accepting those and we're holding the packages and there's damaged goods, right? We, we see a lot of hybrid models in today's age popping up. Yeah, no, it makes mm-hmm. me think about the uh, a lot of these companies coming out with their own moving services and things like yeah. that as well, where you're taking yeah. somebody's belongings from their house to the facility yes. and how that whole thing works. So yeah, no, it's interesting for sure. How do you look yeah. at these hybrid models? And, and as they pop up, is the insurer's appetite really open to say, okay, now I have a mover. I'm taking Amazon packages. We offer a free truck, but now we're also going to offer services with that. And all of a sudden you're like, well, you're not just storing things anymore or compartmentalizing instead of having individual storage units. We are doing more the on-demand where it's all in together. We're labeling, categorizing, and we're pulling it off. Um, but you don't have your own unit that's locked up and only you have access to it, right? Um, what are insurance companies looking at these models? What are their concerns and how are they trying to adapt with them? So that's a really good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reverse this back to, and we, def, we deferred right off the bat. Uh, I'm going to go back to that original question to tie it into this, to answering this. So hold me to answering this question. You originally asked, what does insurance markets or carriers think about insurance? And I think that's an important question to answer because the overall insurance industry, we're just going to say is a generalization. Insurance does not like storage, not because storage is bad. It's not bad. It's because like with insurance is by nature hedging risk. Mm -hmm. It's a risk transfer. So in the eyes of the insurance market, industries, marketplace space, they want to know what you're doing, when you're doing it, and how you're doing it. The more they know, the better that they can mitigate the risk. Actuaries are about risk. 
It's a for-profit model, i.e., uh, we want to make sure we pay, we collect premiums and we pay as low on claims as possible. That's how they profit. How do you do that? You know what you write. The problem with storage is, is you don't really have control and or know what is inside the building. That is why the insurance yeah. industry as a whole has trouble with storage because we can say all day long we prohibit chemicals. We can say all day long you shouldn't put uh, dead bodies into storage facilities. Uh -huh. You shouldn't operate a business. You can't live in a storage facility, so on and so forth. Uh, but at the end of the day, we still find that people live in storage facilities. People conduct businesses. Crime happens. Um uh, because we just, with all the technology that we have and cameras and all the things, it, it still it still occurs. So that that is the hangup with overall insurance industries, and that is why some years ago you you saw the emergence of self storage programs. We're going to go back forty some years ago, and really, Minico and Deans and Homer were probably the first really cemented of programs that separated that hosted a platform for self-storage insurance. Now there's probably about 10 true programs around the country that specialize in self-storage insurance um, uh, that represent national carriers of some variation. We're talking like a Lloyd's or a Hanover Nova or an Old Republic or a, a AAIC American Alternative. These are national and or you know everyone knows lloyds of london you know uh, international carry you know insurance companies yeah. that have essentially agreed to provide an insurance coverage platform through these programs because these programs know it understand it and basically um are specializing in it to make sure that the insurance companies are knowing what they're doing because again the, not that storage is complicated but it's 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 got nuances that really require unique attention, a special attention. Yes. So one of the things that frustrates me with insurance storage is, is that the insurance storage industry and the platforms and programs, unfortunately, are very storage specific. And in this day and age where we are seeing the nuances of new things and emergences into this, the, uh, the, uh, industry, we are finding across the country that it is becoming more and more limited for insurance programs to consider storage facilities that are starting to venture into areas that are not storage. Um, and that could be a litany of things. Uh, storage companies uh, do have an appetite to contemplate non-storage buildings. In other words, if you have a 50,000 square foot storage facility and you have a building or this a front a frontage of the building that has 5,000 square feet of office space, they don't mind that. Where we get into issues is, is we have a separate building that's 15,000 square feet that's all office next to your 75,000 square foot storage building. And now all of a sudden you have markets that come up that say, well, I don't want to do that non-storage building which is frustrating to me because to me, I'm saying you don't like storage is difficult because you can't control what's in it. This is an office building, you know, it's in it, but it's too much because it's not storage. So it really is becoming different now uh, to where what we're having to do is we're having to, depending on the creativity of the storage facility, break out insurance to 
to basically cover an insurance facility appropriately for what they might need. For instance, I just wrote the insurance on a facility last week that does do kind of the mobile storage exposure. It is not moving in storage. They had a moving in storage business. They also had a storage business. They got they essentially closed and or sold the moving and storage piece. Uh, now they have their storage aspect of piece, but essentially it's it's pod driven and they're and they're delivering they're delivering it. So in that aspect, the auto exposure is completely separate. Um, the storage facility is able or the storage insurance program was able to contemplate the mobile aspect of it for a charge. Um, and so that's what we're seeing is is just depending on the creativity of it of what you're doing is what we do and where or where we go for the insurance. Same thing with the garage keepers. I got a lot of clients that uh, want are starting to add special services for RVs, uh, especially summertime and destination oriented areas. You know um, where you park it here, you leave it here, when the season comes back, it's geared up, ready to go. Uh, and so again, none of the storage programs want customer goods or um, want um, garage keepers legal liability exposure. So we just have to get that separate mm. or separate the building insurance. I got a client prospect right now in the Midwest that's doing that. Just built a very large storage facility and it's got a 15,000 square foot office building right next to it. So we're having to quote the the office building uh, separately from the storage facility to ensure that they've got the most competitive option. Gotcha. Now, now let's talk about competitive options here. You bring this up and we've, we've talked about, you know, more of a complex situation, but when it comes down to just the straight line insurance, okay, right? So you're just going out, I've got drive up storage and I'm buying it. Who is competitive? Where are they competitive? Give us just a feel for the market, what you're seeing, and what has changed over the last, you know, six, seven years? The market's volatile right now. Uh, it's really volatile right now in insurance. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's just everywhere. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether or not it's uh, health insurance or restaurants, hospitality. Uh, I, I hate the the COVID name that everyone's hearing, but man, oh, man, has COVID mucked things yeah. up. It, it did a and, number on insurance. Health insurers didn't even know which way was up or down, and they're still reaming from it, trying to figure everything out. Right? Because it and, was weird and, on our side because, like, the health insurance, you would have thought, oh, COVID, like, health insurance, you know, would have gone up. All these people are sick, sick, everything else like that. Oh no, not at all. Claims tanked. Insurers were they made money hand over foot because nobody got hurt, nobody got sick. I mean, they have never experienced a period of time with such less claims. All ancillary stuff. Everybody stayed away from hospitals. It was so shocking when you thought insurance carriers and the hospital system had to get ready for this mass influx of sick people and claims were going to skyrocket. That never happened like at all on the claims end. Instead, what happened was hospitals were empty and uh, they... Just it was a, it's quite incredible to see what happened, but they didn't know while it was happening. They didn't know if there's a resurgent. They didn't know if it, because you got to you got you to think about COVID. If you have two percent of the population instead of un, under one percent of the population got sick with COVID and you had two percent that even went to the hospital with that, as far as an insurance standpoint, mm. 
that difference is so astronomical, right? right. Um, but because they didn't know, they didn't need, they, it was like, they didn't know which way was up or down. The opposite happened of what they thought it would. All of a sudden hospitals were losing money. They had to charge more. Um, it was crazy. It is crazy. And they're still trying to unbury out of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And on, on the commercial end, um, it was really a two part deal and it, it, COVID didn't start it. It was, it was, uh, catastrophic weather and, uh, a few large national events. Uh, one, one of which mainly was that shooting that happened at the, um, can't remember what hotel, but at the country music festival yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. 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 Mm. The MGM that, grand. That, I think that it was shooting sent the shockwave. I believe the article, I saved it somewhere, but I believe the article said that insurers were expected to pay over a billion dollars in that shooting. What? And what that did is, is that sent a shockwave to the excess insurance liability markets because there were a handful of incidents around the country last year in 2021 that uh, were very, very high payouts. The, the legal climate is, is going through a shift right now. So you had that. And then in 2021, you had the infamous Texas snowstorm yep. uh, that created just uh, unparalleled cataclysmic damage uh, that, that cost the insurers billions and billions of dollars. And what I think a lot of people real forget to remember is, is all the carriers that are everywhere are also in Texas, uh, yeah. in some of these higher risk areas. And it's not like, Oh, just specialty insurance companies get, you know, travelers gets creamed, Hartford gets creamed, <clears throat> CNA gets creamed, uh, Liberty mutual gets creamed. Farmers gets, they all get creamed. The reinsurers get creamed. The reinsurance get creams. And so where people loop misses, well, I don't understand why my insurance goes up. Well, the insurance companies are buying coverage from reinsurance markets. And when the reinsurance rates go up, the premiums go up because that's a pass down coverage. And so we saw that. And then we had historic uh, last year, storm season in the Gulf is starts June 1st and, and, or excuse me, May in June 1st. And that uh, was projected to be the worst in history. They had projected 17 named storms, which would have been a record. Uh, then we had projected historic wildfires. And then we had COVID on top of COVID. And what COVID did is COVID created supply chain issues. It created labor shortages and this great resignation. It created um, inflation. It helped uh, uh, in, with the inflationary uh, inflation issues that we're having right now. Um, and so now we're into this, uh, what I'd call a crisis where, you know, the market, everything's going, driving goes up. If a building burns down, uh, or you, you have an issue, uh, with a property, you have damage, it's taking you two, three, four times as long to fix a building. Uh, we've got people who can't hire. I got a guy, uh, in the Southeast that had a tornado hit his building a year and a half ago, and he cannot get a contractor to come out and fix his roof. He just cannot. Jeez. Um, we got people that are, you know, you're, if you just simplify it down to vehicles, you know, it can take two, three, four months to get a windshield replaced uh, because of depending on where parts are coming in. People can't find contractors, labor shortages, and then contractors don't want to pay attention to small jobs if they got large jobs right now. And so it's just really driven uh, in the industry costs to a different degree, because again, 
what was my building burnt down to the ground and it was one, now it's another. Uh, it was we could get a building fixed or recoup or get our business back to where we were in six months. Now it's 15 months. Um, so when you really tie that into self-storage, uh, self-storage, um, the markets are just become really volatile, especially depending on where you are around the region. Um, for storage facilities that are, seem to be in the Midwest uh, and the South uh, and the West Coast in wildfire areas the, in Montana, uh, we're seeing um, we're seeing a correction in the marketplace as the marketplace is, is preparing for more adverse weather coming through adverse adverse weather, as well as the fact that again um, storage is really a property driven risk when you look at it. And what do I mean by that? As I say, if you take a premium. And let's just say your insurance premium is $10,000 uh, annually for your entire insurance premium. Probably 70 some percent of that, if I'm just being general, really is derived off of being rated from the property side of things. In other words, your building, your structure. Um, there's more exposure in the building being damaged at whatever aspect that is than there is on the liability claims. And we see that on a claims perspective. Much more property claims come in than on a liability standpoint. And the liability claims that come in are generally customer goods, sales and disposal, wrongful sales and disposal claims and or allegations, and slip and falls. Those are your, those are the, the overall exposures. And so when you look at that on a property side, that's where I think right now the marketplace has become pretty volatile because again, what was 40, 45, $35 a square foot to rebuild, you know, on a claims perspective, we're seeing consistently now that's not true. Even if you could rebuild your facility yourself because you built it yourself, we're seeing that truly the cost per square footage now is up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Steel's up 40%, 50%, timber's up 40, 50%. You can't get labor, uh, which changes everything. The labor that you can get, that's up now because there's a supply and demand of that, uh, which drives all the costs. And so consequently right now, what we're seeing is, is we're really seeing probably an average of 10 to 15, 16% increases in the storage marketplace uh, without claims. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, it can go from there. I mean, I've had clients that are experiencing 25, 30, 40% plus increases with claims. Hmm. Uh, and then I've got a handful of clients that, you know, we can, that end up being lucky as I would call it and get a four or five, 6% renewal increase, but pretty, pretty consistently with pretty much all the programs we're pretty, we're seeing a, a 10 to, to 15, 16% rate increase. And, the markets we just i just did a renewal with a client and you know his his premium went up and i told him i said you know i don't think we, we shopped it last year last year this is where everyone was and this year no one's coming in undercutting anybody in yeah. other words if the price was here it was where it was quoted last year if you got eight quotes last year and they were x y and z nobody's coming in lower than that and so what it's really becoming right now in the marketplace, and I think some of the peers that, that I know in the industry that are in the same or similar position as I am on a brokerage side would say that the season that we're in right now is really one more of strategy and marketing, because I think the marketplace insurance is a commodity until it's not. And as a consumer, I feel the same way. I don't want to pay any more for my insurance. I don't like it. 
I would prefer not to have it, but boy, oh boy, I, this true story about two weeks ago, somebody sideswiped me. So of course, my car is in an auto body shop right now. The first thing that goes through your mind is, gosh, I sure hope they have insurance. And if they do, I sure hope they have enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys know that because every time somebody hits your gate, hits a bullard, hits the building, the first thing you think is, oh boy, I sure hope they have insurance. More <laughs> often they seem to not. And if they do have insurance, by golly, I sure hope they have enough. And I swear to you yeah. on the claims, expect more often than not, they don't. Yep. <laughs> And so you, nobody likes insurance until you have to have it. And then when you have it, you're like, thank goodness I got it. I want more of it than I could possibly have because you need it. And, and so uh, what we're seeing right now is, is in that commodity aspect of insurance, when prices go up, the first thing everyone wants to do, myself included, is shop. And the problem that we have with with shopping is is that it is possible to overshop the marketplace. And so right yes. now, this strategy that I speak of is really one where you, if you can understand where the marketplace is and you know what's going on as a whole, we can come up with a game plan that supports the best outcome so that we don't wear down the market. And what I just told the client that I spoke to recently was, is we just shopped you thoroughly a year ago. If we shop you this year and we know all the underwriters are overwhelmed, which they are because everyone's prices are going up and everything is getting shopped right now. Everything. I mean, if a client comes to me and says, Gary, I want it shopped. I got to shop it. You're my client. Uh, and you, if I don't, you're just going to go somewhere else and do it. So I have obviously I have an obligation to do what's best for you guys and support you guys as my client. However, uh, the advice that I would give to that is, is that if it's recently been shopped, uh, you know, be careful of that because on the woes of these underwriters, if they see it year over year, I can't tell you how many underwriters decline things literally in their declination of seen this too many times, don't want to do it. And it's frustrating for owners to hear that because they're like, well, that's offensive to me. But at the end of the day, them who make the gold make the rules. Yes. And, it, you know, we need the underwriters to procure good quotes. And in this marketplace uh, where they're at is they're overwhelmed too. Not that I agree with it. Um, and so it's really become this strategy of saying, okay, depending on where you are, where you are in the region. I mean, I got, I mean, everyone's different. Washington state is different from California is different from Texas is different from Montana is different from Oklahoma is different from Wisconsin and so on and so forth. And so you really break that down between states and regions to figure out what, what you're doing, where you're going, how much shopped, what's exposure, um, weather patterns, you know, uh, what, where if we just had a, awful fires pass through in California. Oftentimes I'm telling clients, don't shop your insurance. We just had nasty yeah. fires. Yeah. What's hot on everyone's topic right now? Fires. Fires. Great example of that is Paradise, California. Paradise, California, the camp, uh, campfire fire pass through. Mm-hmm. Man, nobody wanted to touch it. Now it's different parts of California, like Magali outside of Paradise. However, Paradise is becoming more and more favorable because the fire load's not gone. All that timber and brush and all that stuff that it was wiped out is no longer there and the shift has changed. Um, and so it's stuff like that, you know, right now, everyone's sensitive in Texas. It has been a brutal year in the state of Texas. Nobody, whether or not your homeowner's insurance, storage insurance, building insurance, restaurant, nobody likes to do insurance in Texas right now. 
So the message in Texas is, is I know prices are going up, but be careful because if you extinguish your options, when the market shifts, if we have a favorable yeah. year, you want to be the first on their bucket line and like, man, these guys held steady, you know, right. You know, again, yeah. well, it's, it's just, it's just that approach. But you know, this is how I got it. I tell people, you got to look at it like this. They're all they're doing is they're looking at risk. They need to be able to cover risk with premium. So if you are always shopping rates, when the underwriters look at your deal, they say, we're going to have X amount of premium for one year. Our likelihood of having that premium over more years to come to cover any losses that may happen is very low because these people shop and move every single year. So all of a sudden, they've got to pad your premium with higher rates to offset the chance that you're going to hit them hard in one year and then just turn around and leave. So if you know if you, if you play those games with insurers, they play them right back. And uh, they know, they know who you are, they know you're looking, they know when you've been there, when you haven't, and it's a risk play. If you're a flight risk, meaning they're going to take all of this, they're going to make negative amount of money, they have to put all this money into you one year because you get hit, and they know you're just going to fly away the next year to another insurance company, and they're getting stuck with the bag, they're not going to want to underwrite you, or they're going to pat it so that they that you have such high rates that they can make up for it. We've seen this happen a lot with people that companies are notorious to just, well, just move, and you're a commodity. And then the insurance company just says, all right, Sounds good. You're a commodity well, you, too. You make a good. You make a really good point right there. Uh, that's exactly it. They you become a commodity to the insurance company or the program, and contrary to what is thought, is is they want a partnership. They want a partner. They want clients that yeah. they feel they can partner with, and they know that they can build a relationship with, uh, and and um, develop from that. I recently had an individual within the storage pro industry and program say to me the following, uh, I've been doing that and I'm paraphrasing. I've been doing this for 20, 30 plus years. Um, I have X amount of files, uh, you know, of some 20, 30, 40,000 uh, storage facilities. Uh, and I've seen most of them. And I think, I, and I heard that and I go, you know, I mean, we know that. But when he when they said that, I said to myself, you know, that's a really good perspective to remind clients, because I think oftentimes we think, oh, I've got this business and I'm shopping with an insurance company. And well, I mean, it is what it is. And they don't understand or recognize that the storage industry, like I think any individual specific industry is actually pretty small. It's yeah. a small industry. Yeah. It's an intimate industry. It's an intimate industry. And I think you know would know that and experience that if you attend have and or have attended any of the national shows. They're yeah. they're while they you might have three thousand occupants, they're intimate. Well uh, well, and, two, you have three thousand occupants, but the two hundred that are actually in the game all know each other. Exactly. And and so whether or not you're shopping your insurance with the same agent or broker or you're soliciting it through other insurance agents or brokers, or you're buying a facility, or you're selling a facility, the probability, because remember, there are only seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in storage programs. Yeah. The probability 
that these programs have seen you, regardless of what state or where you're at or your circumstances, are pretty high. Yeah. They're pretty high. And so I think that that's a great reminder of for people to understand that, A, when, when A, you're shopping your insurance, it needs to be accurate. You need to be communicating accurate stuff. Uh, yes. I think you'd be amazed at how often we get inaccurate information, which then we find out otherwise when we shop the insurance. And then that frustrates the carriers because they're like, <laughs> no, yeah, they have had claims. Yeah. They're larger. They're smaller. Oh, you forgot to tell me about this, this over here that yeah. you're like, what? Yeah. And then the same thing, if you're over shopping it, you might not realize, you know, that, hey, uh, uh, these guys have quoted this three times over here because they shopped it through this other insurance agent and they sent it over. But they did. You know, you don't know. You don't know until you find out. So it's just it's a great you're right. It's a great it's a great reminder. And I think right now I'm not saying this is that it's not it's bad to shop the insurance. Trust me. I got clients where we're shopping their insurance. I've got clients where we're going back to the underwriters and we're saying, this is, this is nauseous. This is gross. Not okay. Disagree. Um, But it's definitely a season where in the past, it wasn't so much about being strategic as it much was, it was about numbers. You know, your renewal came in, the renewal was flat. Maybe it came in a little low, Maybe it came in three, four, five percent, and you look at and saying, "Is it worth shopping the insurance if my premium went up six hundred dollars and I find somebody else that's a hundred percent or less? That's a lateral move. By the time you do the work, is it really worth the time and effort of an owner? That's you weigh in that stuff. Most owners would turn around and say, "Geez, five hundred dollars is not worth all the time and energy I got to do to do what's required to me of a new insurance company. Mm-hmm. I got to do a risk control survey. I got to answer all these questions. I got to do this and that and the other." not worth 500 bucks to most. Um, and so that's been, you know, kind of the thought process in the past. Today's market, you knowing where it's at, you sort of say, we know everyone's going to get a rate increase. We know that. Yeah. We know that the markets are overwhelmed. We know that the markets are restrictive right now. We know that certain regions, markets don't want to write insurance or they're hesitant to. So now we have to look at it differently and say, okay, how do we combat that? And how do we approach them on that to make sure that we're getting the most advantageous opportunity for you guys within the storage industry because that is at the end of the day what it's about right for sure for so for those people before we wrap up those people that are going out there they're buying their first storage facility i mean what are the top like key points for them they're they're coming to you they're looking for insurance what should they have they're not in the industry yeah no no so this is the first deal yeah I think the first thing you need to do is you need to uh, uh, find an insurance partner that specializes in storage. Mm-hmm. I, I just think more often than not, we see stuff come in from people that don't, and they're with mutual companies around the region that are inappropriately classed or don't have the storage class codes, and they don't know. It's just, you know, oh, we, we, we went to our insurance broker and said, hey, we're buying this. And next thing you know, they've got a quote from State Farm or from uh, a mutual of Enumclaw or a Frankenmuth or uh, a Hallmark of America, all great insurance companies, but not storage specific. Um, uh, I think the second part of it is to um, lean on those on those uh, insurance uh, specialists uh, to basically see what they recommend. 
you can call, I mean, if you Google self-storage insurance, the programs come up, you can call the programs and ask them. And more often than not, they'll refer you to an agent in your region. Um, the National Association has um, the handful of us that are on there, um, uh, depending again, that you, you, can, you can look up in Google. But honestly, I think that's your best bet so that you're steered in the right direction. And I think contrary to what a lot of, a lot of people think is, is, oh my gosh, if I got to go to these specific markets, the cost is more. And what most owners end up finding is, is that it's actually less and or the same than Liberty Mutual will say, uh, or some, or again, farmers or state farm mm-hmm. with the appropriate coverage. Yeah. Cause you got, you know how to underwrite it. You know, yes. you know what that asset that's is. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. They know exactly what they're underwriting it mm-hmm. and they they're rating it accordingly. And because of that, it's appropriate. Exactly. No, there's so much to be said about working with experts in industries, no matter what you're doing. And a, another prime example here, man. hundred awesome. You know, um, man, we could, we had talked about this for so long, but we don't have, where can people that are, they, they have more questions, they want to start, where can they get a hold of you where insurance can be very specific? So where can people find you, reach out to you to ask specific questions or even get your help? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a great question. Um, I can, do you want me to provide my contact? Yeah. Did I just say, Yeah. Uh, so I work for a company called Rice Insurance. Uh, we're based out of Seattle. Like I said, we're all 50 states, uh, and I work with clients from coast to coast. My cell phone number is a great uh, way to reach me. Um, I encourage it uh, so that people know that I'm available um, around the clock. Uh, my cell phone number is 425-442-1623. Again, that's 425-442-1623. And then my email is pretty simple. It's Gary, G-A-R-Y, at riceinsurance.com. Again, that's Gary at rice, R-I-C-E, insurance.com. And I often uh, offer people, I mean, I get a lot of times people just want to inquire or curious. And I mean, it doesn't mean I have to do their insurance. But, you know, as somebody who partners within the storage industry, you know, I, I, quite often try to offer myself to be available to just answer questions for people. Yeah. Uh, That's you know, awesome. if you got any questions or concerns or something that you're not sure about and you just want to eyes on it or review or a claim that's gone sideways and you're like, I need, I need somebody in the industry that, that might be able to provide me insight. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's, what's been, uh, what's oftentimes I try to extend as well. Absolutely. Well, no, that's awesome. We'll yeah. put those in the show notes and, uh, we'll send a bunch of people your way. Yeah. You've done, <laughs> you've done a great job for us. So we yeah. appreciate you coming on here, man. And, and, uh, uh, chatting with us about this. We'll have you on again. It's crazy times. And I feel like every aspect of the business, um, and it's, you know, like Connor said, we pride ourselves on having professionals that can help us guide us through. So thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks a bunch, Gary. It was a pleasure to be be invited and be a part of it. And uh, so, I, so thank you for that. You bet. 